the sky begins to clear, the sun it melts away my fear. I'll cry a silent weary tear for those that need to love me, and I am ready for the storm. Yes, sir, ready. I am ready for the storm. Yes, sir, ready. I am ready for the storm. Yes, sir, ready. I am ready for the storm. Ready for the storm. I'm ready for the storm. I know all of you are ready too, but we won't talk about fires yet. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Tori Sa Show. It's Friday. It is Friday. Ding. It is Friday. You know, and I've had this migraine for days, days. I can't even shake it off. Like no matter what I do, it's there. I think I need an adjustment. I have a chiropractor, but he uses machines. I think I need a man to put his hands on me and just snap me. But he has to be good with brown bodies. So I, I need to find one of those because this, this migraine is killing me. Uh, and I've been extremely busy too. Uh, it's just, I'm tired. I'm tired because I'm being pulled in many directions. And unfortunately, we're down a couple hands. Um, some of them have been stationed at bases where they can't have communication. So, um, I mean, there's so much to talk about. And I think, uh, what we need to do is garner a little bit perspective of what's going on. Um, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I want people to understand that when I said the military is the only way, I did not mean martial law, but for them to stand up for the Constitution. And we are seeing that. And there are many that are paying a price already. Uh, it's okay. It is okay. It is not a problem. Because we're seeing tons of videos of people being posted showing us. So Hold on. I'll show you a couple videos. Uh, let me just see if I can add more here. Where is it? Mm, I don't see it here because I had it down here. Maybe I put it here. There it is. Give me a second. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu. And we'll see him too. All right, so let's start this. The first video I want to show you is of our military or those posing as military, right? Because we always have to have that doubt. Does it mean it isn't S telling us their struggle without many words? I know this personally because my daughter will have to go through this struggle too. Here we go. Doesn't even 
as you can see, he says FDA supposedly approved the Pfizer vaccine. So now they're telling the military you either take it or you're getting a dishonorable discharge. And this man is saying almost three years in everything I work for, no chance of reenlistment, my house, my career, everything. These are people that have made a career of supporting their nation and they lose everything, right? My daughter took her oath in 2018. It's 2021, right? She loves her job, loves it, but she should not be forced to choose. For anyone saying that it's approved, geez, you obviously don't understand how definitions change and how easily they can wordsmith. Here's a brave man. This guy, remember this, will be getting a medal. United States Marine Corps, I'm the current battalion commander for Advanced Infantry Training Battalion. I've been in the Marine Infantry for 17 years. Started my tour with Victor 1-8. It's the current unit that's doing perimeter security, dealing with the mess that's going on there. I, you can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a someone that I have a personal relationship with, making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level. And I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. We have a Secretary of Defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the Commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise, and I'm not saying we've got to be in the in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? And from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I wanna say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. Now that person will get a medal. See. Two people speaking up for things that concern us, that concern every American, every single one of us. He's doing exactly what he needs to be doing, and that is speaking truth. People hate the truth. They will crucify you if you bring out the truth. They cower in the sound of truth, in the face of truth, because they know they are wrong. In the meantime, while the military eliminated and fired that brave lieutenant colonel, very brave, to speak up, we have people like this speaking up.
that shouldn't be speaking and should get deployed within the United States. I want you guys to listen to the words. Listen to the words. Saying that if active duty military actually get deployed within the United States, that weapon is not just pointed at other people, other countries. It's pointed at you. If you do not get in your house when I tell you to, you become the enemy. Martial law. Understand that if active duty military actually get deployed within the United States, that weapon is not just pointed at other people, other countries. It's pointed at you. If you do not get in your house when I tell you to, you become the enemy. All right, all right, all right, all right. Did you guys hear that? How many of you have seen that movie where confused people like this piece of shit sit there who are supposed to be serving us and defending the Constitution, telling us that you are the enemy when we are instructed to. Who's instructing you? Your job is to protect the people. You're, you're not a Praetorian. You don't protect one person. You protect everyone. You protect the people. No real soldier would ever turn a gun on a civilian. It's disgusting. But we see it happen all the time. I've seen it happen. Many of you may not have experienced situations where I've seen it happen. And I spoke up. I've seen it happen. And it's not acceptable. You've seen it happen on TV too. When people protest. You haven't seen it? Are you sure? Because the ones that are coming for you are people like that that call themselves Mr. Darling when they obviously have a vagina. Okay? Those are the type of people that we have in our military. You know, I, in uniform, had served a full nine months in uniform. Right? She was so she's so low on the chain of command, I never saw people... Rank it, but yeah, yeah, you know, I used to eat with them and hang out with them. I never worked with them. I'll tell you what, the proudest day of my life was when I did colors for my graduation. When I got my first orders, I was so excited because I was like, dang, I'm protecting everybody. I fight for every single square inch of this land that everyone gets to stand on because I've sacrificed my life for it. And even when I wasn't wearing the uniform, that's the same thing I felt through and through. To even think, well, I'm a soldier, I'm just taking orders. You're not a fucking idiot. We obviously have higher standards than most. Well, I can argue with infantry a little bit, but okay, I'm maca throw shade. Um, but... Bottom line is, right, they're supposed to be protecting us. They're not Praetorians. They're not protecting a king, right? They don't have loyalty to a king. They have loyalty and sworn oath to uphold the Constitution. Where in the Constitution does it say that the military will attack civilians? That's a problem. These are the types of people that should not be in uniform. If anything, they should be in an orange one because they even thought about it. Those are the type of people that committed crimes in wars, you know, pucking people and not stopping there. Right. I don't care if someone's a terrorist, a jihadi. Right. 
I've witnessed some really ugly things happen. Really ugly. And when we talk torture, oh, you have no idea. You think being put in a room or solitary is torture? You have no idea what I've witnessed and what they do. And all you have to do is sit there, and it's pretty easy when you're in a burqa to hide what you're feeling, right? It's really easy. But tell you what, those types of people never belong in uniform ever. Ever. It's disgusting. When I say the military is the only way, I mean, they need to stand up for us, not stand against us or dominate us. It, it, it was the most atrocious thing I've seen in a very long time. I mean, probably because I'm not in the field anymore. I'm pretty sure shit still happens right in Afghanistan anyway. But that type of person does not belong in uniform. You know, because many people be like, well, you know, those are orders and you are the enemy. Stop. Break it down. It's not. It never was. There's never a possibility where anyone in uniform ever can treat a civilian as an enemy and point a gun at them. It is disgusting. It is disgusting. And I hope she gets a freaking dishonorable discharge. I would have thrown her in the brig if she was in my command or anywhere near or even close to a commander that I knew. I'd be bitching from here forever. Like, I'd be spam texting. It's disgusting. By the way, he did get spam texted and did turn his phone off, just for the record. All right. So, having said that, our sailors, soldiers, dead. Because they're playing politics. The CIA got involved again. They fucked up. They always do. And it's always the innocent. And we should be proud. Regardless. Regardless. If we should be there. We shouldn't be there. If we're. If, if our presence there is simply to occupy. Whatever it is. They're doing their duty to protect their nation. And I understand it. A lot of you will be like, well, then they, don't they realize? Yeah, they probably do. This is why they have PTSD, right? They probably do. They get it. I've been there where things are happening. I'm like, I don't know how this is helping my country, but, you know, that's it. <sighs> we love our military because they do sacrifice birthdays, you know? I didn't even get to go to my dad's funeral, okay? So stop. They sacrifice a lot. And they know that we're behind them. But they can't have that attitude. Because I don't give a shit. Some, some butch like that comes at me. She's eating my AR-15 for dinner. Disgusting. Disgusting. I, I'm just, I was so appalled when I saw it. I was just like, I was spam texting. <laughs> I could get numbers. Spam texting. 
I'm sure many of you are upset too. Now, as I said yesterday, while they're busy mitigating the image that they cannot hide, which is war, and they have you distracted, right, with it, they're really moving hard on enslaving the U.S. population. There are kids showing off and becoming TikTok sensations by tattooing their QR code saying, see how easy it is? I don't have to think about it or bring it in my wallet. They just scan my tattoo and I'm allowed to go in. And they're forcing these vaccines. So as you all know, I'm a person of faith. I do align more with the Coptics, but I love my monks. And being a female, I'm not allowed on Mount Athos. But I'm telling you now, I'm going to speak to you now of what Elder Julian said from Mount Athos. He said this, he revealed this on the 13th of August of 2021. To accept the little devil is disavow of Christ. These little devils defile the temple of the Holy Spirit, our bodies. Those who have accepted the little devil will not be able to discern the changes that will be occurring within their bodies. They will lose their inner freedom. The little devils will change human nature in order to prepare people to accept the demonic ceiling. The lack of grace due to committing of sins and transgressions, together with the change in human nature occurring in the people who have accepted the little devil, will lead to the destruction of the image in which we were created. The time cometh that whoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. This will never be more obvious when the little devils begin to take effect. Satan wants to control the world by distorting the way people think and feel. As the father of lies and the source of all evil, he devised a diabolical system of ruling the world by preaching respect for the rights and freedoms of man, while in truth seeking only to subjugate him to such ideals. And God will allow this work of deception to be done so that the wheat may be separated from the chaff and that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a quote for, from Thessalonians. Hmm. The lies and perverse way in which they act also manifests in the fact that by restricting all mental and spiritual freedom of man, they can deceive him into believing that this is the only way he can acquire true freedom. The fight will be in your own blood if you get the little devils. And the editor of this, who translated it, says, if anyone has already accepted, perhaps in ignorance, the little devils, let them not despair, but rather repent, confess, weep, and accept no more. No sin 
can overcome God's compassion, but let us not dare to put off such repentance for without it, there is no forgiveness. Now, um, in the chat, I'll um, share the translated link. It has a lot of music. I actually um, phoned up and spoke uh, with, you know, the monk liaison and asked him if he had any advice for those of us that feel that we have no way out. Obviously, he said, which means, you're a child of God. He will not let you go hungry. Well, the God part, I, I stopped it there in, in Greek. It's not like, you know. He said to me, okay, so it's not for you. What do, what what do, what do I tell them? I tell them to pray. You know, I don't even trust our church anymore. I told them straight out. They're giving directives. He's like, the church is merely but a place of congregation where we sit and we are educated on the teachings of Christ. When those in the church teach things that are not of Christ, well, you choose, is what he said. So he said, you will not be alone because he will not let the blood of his own martyrs run down the streets. And I believe him because someone shared this video that was a compilation a while ago that President Trump had. Um, they put it on TikTok, right? Hold on. Let me see if I can play it. Everything you can do all you want, but you know. I know you guys are going to want to watch it, so I can do that. I can put it on so you can watch it. But there's only one party, like I said yesterday, that speaks of God. We all know that party. Well, what was the party? It's not anymore, right? They don't exist anymore. It's not yes, everything. Oh my gosh, this video is driving me insane. Here we go. Let me play it. Everything you can do all you want, but you know, you still need help from the boss. We need help from the boss. What happened? We need help. We need help. It's all right to say. Now, they'll criticize me for that. How dare he say that? How dare he say that? No, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Somebody said to me the other day, you're the most famous person in the world by far. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. They said, yes, you are. I said, no. He said, who's more famous? I said, Jesus Christ. I'm not taking any chances. I'm not going to have an argument. Hey, I'm not having any argument. Awesome, right? That is exactly the difference between every single president I've seen in my lifetime alive. And I was 
pleased to, to read the editor's notes because that is a conversation that I had with a monk. You know, my sister, my mother, they've taken the vaccine. There are friends that I know that took the vaccine. I had a friend early out the gate, the minute it was available, went and got it. I haven't been speaking to her at all because I don't want to hurt her. It's evil and they've committed sin. I wrote to the priest of my church and I said, how dare you preach to the people to go and get it. You are doing the devil's work. Nothing. I mean, right now the devil is lying and telling you it's approved when it's not. They're all pushing it. And you know what? Most of them are also pushing it. The Bible thumpers, the priests, because they misery loves company. And they're willing for you to die as well as them because they did it. That's the most vicious part of it. Because I see them everywhere. I have them on my friends list on Facebook. Those that preach faith. And secretly wishing that everyone just gets it so they can have company in hell. Because they did not have faith. They did not exercise their free will. It's sad. It's really sad. And for all those parents that sacrifice their children. Oh. It's terrible. It is terrible. My daughter was in a class today and she's like, there's 18 of us in here. I'm the only one that's not vaccinated. I was like, whoa. 18 different families chose to sacrifice their children because their pediatrician promoted the vaccine because they get a nice fat ass 40 grand bonus from each insurance company for signing them up. Maybe they got a free visit, a lollipop, maybe a donut. That's how much their kid was worth. Some of them just did it because they're like, well, they need it for sports. My kid better play sports. I feel so bad for them because even if they did it in ignorance, they just gave away the most precious thing they created. Just handed it over and said, here, inject it with whatever the government sees fit. Take my child as part of this experiment because I just want to do the right thing. No wiser words have I heard than those from that monk. That Satan, as I said, will not come to you and say, I want to do evil. He will say, we should stand up for all right. Animal rights, save the pigs, but kill those people. Now, for those of you that are in the states like Oregon, I want to show you an argument. It's a very dangerous one. And it's been had because three states actually allow the right to die. You have a choice to die. I'd love to see a patriot. A patriot attorney. Sue Kate. 
and say you have made it legislation in your state for someone to choose death, but you cannot make it legislation in your state for them to protect their right to not take a medication, pay attention. These are well, well put arguments. Now I want you to listen to this and see the evil and how it seeped in. Like millions of Americans, Oregonian Pam Wald was riveted by the video of Brittany Maynard, a 29-year-old woman suffering from brain cancer who moved here to end her own life. I looked at that video. I studied, especially the last time I saw that video. I don't think I left her eyes. Maynard lived in California, but relocated to take advantage of Oregon's death with dignity law that permits what's commonly known as physician-assisted suicide. I will die upstairs in my bedroom that I share with my husband, um, with my mother and my husband by my side. And She was featured in a media campaign by a group called Compassion and Choices. 20 years earlier, its predecessor group played a key role in advocating for Oregon's first-in-the-nation right-to-die bill. In 1994, Pam Wald considered herself a supporter of Oregon's Death with Dignity Act. So you voted for it, but you never thought, this has to do with me. No, no. It, it, it was kind of like out of compassion, the idea that, you know, someone gets in this situation, they deserve a right, you know, to choose. You know, it's important to choose how we live our lives and how we... So what happened to all this? It's important that we choose how to live our lives and we choose if we want to die. How is Oregon now putting a foot down saying, no, you don't have that choice. You just better take the vaccine. Nah. Hmm? Where's the right to choose? If you see their banners here was my life, my body, my choice. What's going on? Is this what we call double speak? But then you found yourself in this situation. Yes. Where you, where it's now, it's the stories about you. Yeah. This is my husband. In 2011, Pam's husband of 43 years, Ben Wald, discovered an earlier bout of cancer had returned. Soon after, the disease began taking a lethal toll. Pam and daughter Bonnie watched as the once robust Ben rapidly lost weight. As the cancer spread to his bones, the pain became intolerable. Ben woke me up in the middle of the night. And he said, Pam, we got to talk. I don't want to keep, you know, I'm dying, Pam. Um, I've had a good life with you and Bonnie. I really don't want to just keep living like this. I want to explore Oregon's death with dignity law. Under Oregon's law, a doctor must determine a terminally ill patient has six months or fewer to live. The physician can write a life-ending prescription only after a second doctor signs on, and both agree the patient is of sound mind. The patient must request the drug again 15 days after the initial request, but once the patient has it, the doctor's role is over. Since the law went into effect in 1997, nearly 1,200 people have received life-ending prescriptions. But just 752 have actually taken them and died. Others died sooner, and some changed their minds. As Ben's health deteriorated, he and Pam sought help from Compassion and Choices, the group supporting Brittany Maynard. 
In 2012, the group connected them with two doctors who signed off on Ben's wishes. Monday, Ben got the order for the prescription, so it meant we could pick it up on Wednesday. And I thought at that point we would have it, and then we would just kind of see. I thought I had more time with him. But he said to me, Pam, I want to take it on Friday that week. Portland physician Bill Toffler has also followed the case of Brittany Maynard. Brittany's story strikes a chord with him, too. Toffler's wife of 40 years was diagnosed with cancer in 2009. We were blessed with five years after the diagnosis was made, and she died just four and a half months ago. For Dr. Toffler and his wife, assisted suicide was never an option. He leads a group, Physicians for Compassionate Care Education Foundation, that opposes prescribing lethal drugs to terminal patients. Every day we lived differently because we knew that we had a limited amount of time in a way that I never perceived before I had a wife with that clear diagnosis. And I'd hope that patients recognize that I value them as a doctor, regardless of how disabled they are, regardless of how sick they are, that their life still has meaning and value. And I want to reflect that, even when they don't see it themselves. So where's this doctor now? Maybe we should reach out to him and say, where's your compassionate education and care for people that don't wish to have this vaccine? So someone's asking what Desuvia is. If you go back a couple days ago, I talked about how the FDA decided to, what is it called? Approve a drug called Desuvia for sale in the United States. It's one pill, thousand times more lethal than morphine, 10 times stronger than fentanyl, that is now on the market in the United States of America. Every single drug they bring, they said, oh, it won't get into the hands of people. It's going to be highly regulated. It's one pill in a plastic container because touching it is a problem. It is one of the most potent narcotics, opioids, that you will ever take. If you take two, you'll never wake up. It hinders your midbrain and therefore depresses your ability Well, it, when it's on the toxic side, on the upper toxicity levels. Uh, the pharmacokinetic scale that they have actually hinders your midbrain. That part of your brain is at the base of your skull that regulates heartbeat and, and, and your lungs, things you don't think about. They approve that. Maybe they could just, uh, you know, slip it in your mouth when you're reluctant to be dragged out of your house for not getting vaccinated. It's a big problem, a very big problem. But what about the fear and the pain that can surround dying? Why not help, I asked Dr. Toffler, if the patient asks. It is a very scary time. And at that time, I want to come around the person. I want to walk alongside them. I want to be the best doctor I can be. I'm called to be more of a doctor than ever. I'm not supposed to be the person who helps her to kill herself. That's all too easy. In a policy opinion, the American Medical Association says physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as healer.
And some religious groups, most notably the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, have strongly opposed the practice. According to the Gallup polling organization, a slim majority of Americans supports assisted suicide, but it's only legal in three states. Oregon, of course, along with Washington and Vermont. And court decisions have opened the door for assisted suicide in New Mexico and Montana. Bioethicist Arthur Kaplan, who was an opponent of the practice but now supports it, says the terms of the debate haven't really changed over the past 20 years, even with the publicity surrounding Brittany Maynard's case. I think what's different in this debate is that Brittany Maynard is 29, attractive, articulate, almost uh, passionate about her right to choose here. That's making the debate focus for a group that didn't pay attention, younger people. Kaplan says fears of figures like Dr. Jack Kevorkian helped derail the right to die movement in the 1990s, and that improvements in end-of-life care have eased Americans' concerns over suffering at death. I can't even tell you the amount of relief that it provides me. But he says Brittany Maynard's case may provide new momentum for supporters of assisted suicide. I think she's shifting the politics in a way that we may see some of the folks who got tied up in, say, uh, trying to broaden marriage laws and trying to uh, see homosexuality gain wider acceptance move to say, this is a choice I want. This is something I care about because it's her. On May 4, 2012, Pam and Ben Wald gathered their closest friends in the living room. They sang songs together, and afterward, in the bedroom they shared, Pam handed Ben the medication that would end his life. He took it without hesitating. Early on when I got together with my husband, we were first together, we'd be laying in bed together, and he was thinking he'd go like this with his hands. His hands are always moving, it's kind of like thinking kind of thing and everything. But what I've never forgotten is his hands were like this on his chest, and I held my hands on top of his. But his hands never went like that if they just stayed, because he was just at peace. And his last words were, thank you. And he died two, it died two hours. Ben Wald was 75 years old. So what can we learn from Oregon's experience? Katrina Hedberg of the State Health Authority, who's neutral on the issue, tracks statistics on Oregon's death with dignity law. Initially, there were a number of concerns that people had around would this be disproportionately um, used by people who were disenfranchised, so uneducated or people who might have had disabilities or those kinds of things. And we've really found that the people who are participating are people who really want to control the timing and manner surrounding their death. Still, Dr. Top. Right. So someone brings up a sound argument that I can that I can actually relate to. Try being in pain and terminally ill and alone in a medical hospital. It's terrifying. Actually, I've been in that position. I've been in the position where they tagged my toe with a black tag and I was set for organ harvesting and they left me there. And I was mangled. I've been in that position. Far, far from home where my parents and my family and my kids had no idea where I was. But taking my own life was the last thing on my mind. 
say that you're alone and you have no one to look for you and you're terminally ill and in pain. And I'm in pain all the time. There is not a day that goes by that I'm not in pain because of my liver. There is not one day. Sometimes it's so bad that I'll have to pull over on the street just to stop when it gets really bad because I can feel it coming on. There's no excuse. There is no excuse for anyone to say to take their life. Who are you to take it? That's your cross. You'll be surprised no matter how much pain you're in, you can choose to ignore it. And the inhumane part, imagine being tagged on your toe and parked somewhere else with no medical assistance, right? No IV drips, nothing. You're just parked, right? With the rest of the dead people, you know, for shipping. That happened. And there's a lot of that that happens. <clears throat> it's terrible. People suffer. But like the doctor said, about his wife. She was terminally ill. She was probably in pain. But every day they lived it differently, knowing it could be their last. And if I'm alone in a hospital, dying with no one seeking me, I'll make sure I live that day and make the best I can because that is my day on earth. And that is how everyone should be. And they should have the choice on how to live it too. Live it. I don't know how you could take away your life when it wasn't yours in the first place. Huffler says those final months and days should never be cut short, as he learned from experience with his own wife. We were married for 40 years. And in the last five years, I think we had the best years of our life when she actually had a terminal diagnosis. And I, uh, I wouldn't trade those five years for anything. As for Pam, she's now volunteering for Compassion and Choices, guiding other families through a process she now knows firsthand. Nobody wants to talk about dying and death, but once we get into that, it really becomes an act of love. It really does. Oh my gosh. It reminds me of that movie. Oh, I don't know. Did we watch it together? Oh, I'm trying to think. No, we haven't. It's a TV series. Oh shoot. I'm trying to remember where it was about diseases. Oh, and then what happens is when someone would get sick, right, they would all like tie them up and bind them and then burn the house while the whole neighborhood sits outside and sings Kumbaya and forgets about it. Like they're all having dinner and then the person had like this pinky move. I don't remember if anyone's seen that. Let me know in the chat. And uh, the pinky moved and they were like, holy crap, the person has, you know, um, uh, you know, the disease. So they stop eating, they grab the woman, they tire in the chair, and then they burn the whole house with the person in there screaming and they're all singing so they don't hear the screams. It was the most horrendous thing I've ever seen. But that is how people will act. These people are insane. I saw the most insane, if you guys watch on the Mayfield High School um, website, the video of the school conference, you need to watch the first person who spoke and the one they put on TV, of course. That person is terrified of everything, could be an actress or could be legitimately that scared. When people are scared, 
they will kill you for the greater good. This happens throughout history, as we'll see today, talking about all of these things. But to understand the history of small packs, you know, the vaccine in itself uh, gives people confidence about vaccines, but also brings concern. You have to remember that vaccines, in order to be effective for anything, and we know this isn't a vaccine, we know the vaccine is the virus. This is where they edit you. This is where they snip you. And this is the way they create the population they need to usher what they want. But the history of how they create vaccines is a problem. Um, here, t take a look at this clip. Take a listen for those listening. The invention of the smallpox vaccine goes back to the late 18th century and English physician Edward Jenner. It's a story of both reassurance and concern today, says Sam Lemley, curator of special collections at Carnegie Mellon University, which has Jenner's 1798 treatise on the subject. Scientific discoveries can come from unexpected places, but resistance to new ideas can also block their adoption, Lemley says. Jenner heard that dairymaids and farm workers who got cowpox didn't get smallpox. He undertook a series of trials and discovered that injecting the pus from a cowpox sore can provide immunity to smallpox. I think that his discoveries were met with a lot of skepticism at first. So the book was actually self-published. When Jenner submitted his discoveries to the Royal Society, they rejected it for publication in their journal. After publication, the religious establishment was hesitant to accept vaccination as a treatment because it seemed so unnatural. Charlatans would claim to be able to do it and end up infecting people, so people didn't trust it at first. The thought that I have in reading about Jenner is that um, it's, it's a source of reassurance in some ways, in part because you know, vaccines, the original vaccine came from such an unexpected place and source, you know, um, cows. I think that that's true of so many medical advancements. The concern, of course, is the public reaction to the successful introduction of a COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, will, will everyone sort of sign up and will everyone agree to, to take the vaccine to protect the community and those that, you know, can't, that are immunocompromised and can't be vaccinated? So they already knew six months ago, and they knew last year that the majority of the U.S. populations are anti-vaxxers. What has changed? Coercion. What else has changed? What else has changed? Blackmail? I'm going to show you a video from 1969. For those listening, you'll hear it. It's quite interesting. My name is Dr. John Neff, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at Johns Hopkins. It is my feeling that it is no longer necessary to perform routine preschool or infant smallpox vaccination. I'm Samuel Katz, professor and chairman of the Department of Pediatrics at Duke University. I believe that our nation's freedom from smallpox rests upon the widespread use of smallpox vaccine. I'm Dr. Paul Worley. <clears throat> it's my job today to try to resolve these two opposed points of view. Welcome to the exploration of concepts and controversies in modern medicine. One of a series of programs dedicated to examining the uncertain, candidly recognizing that much of today's teaching is necessarily based upon opinion, and that the opinions of eminent physicians in a given field vary widely. The National Medical Audiovisual Center believes that 
openly airing such opposing views is a basic responsibility of medical communications. Dr. Paul Worley, Hastings Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Southern California School of Medicine, will act as moderator for this presentation. For many years, the physicians of this country and the workers in public health have been emphasizing the need for vaccination for children and uh, particularly infants and preschool children to provide a basic immunity against smallpox. Uh, we also have been urging uh, immunization at intervals for particular types of health workers, for transportation workers, and at intervals uh, we have also urged uh, re-immunization of all uh, citizens of this country, whether they plan international travel or not. The uh, that, uh, immunization against uh, smallpox uh, is the earliest and one of the most effective prophylaxis uh, agents against any of the communicable diseases. However, during recent years, the ball game seems to be uh, changed. The rules are somewhat different, and uh, perhaps uh, there are differences uh, with respect to some of the threats. I would first like to, uh, uh, before uh, getting our combatants into the fray, I'd like to first turn to see what's happening uh, with regard to the international picture and uh, see what's happening to smallpox on, on the worldwide scale, because I think this is important to us as we develop our, our uh, story today. As you will see, in 1945, uh, smallpox uh, was present throughout virtually all of uh, South America. Uh, 1945, you'll note, is uh, the lighter shaded, together with the darker shaded areas, uh, through, uh, spread throughout uh, all of so uh, South America, throughout uh, all of Africa, uh, through the Middle East, uh, through Southeast Asia and down including Malaya and uh, many of the uh, countries uh, in the South Pacific. During the next uh, period of time, from 1955 through 1965, we see additional changes taking place. Here, uh, the earlier period is in lighter uh, color, uh, the subsequent period in darker color, and here uh, you see that uh, these areas originally involved very solidly have, uh, have uh, become uh, substantially smaller, and I think it's important to note that the areas involved here, although they are solidly colored, uh, may have some differences with respect to specific areas within those countries where smallpox remains a problem. Also, another area that I hope we can point up today is data concerning the risk of vaccination and uh, data concerning the possibility of other uh, means of the prevention of smallpox should it be introduced in, into this country. I think at this time I would like to uh, uh, turn to our first uh, combatant this morning, uh, Dr. Neff, and uh, see uh, how he would like to uh, develop uh, his particular position. Well, I think there can be no question now that smallpox vaccination has been the one agent which has been responsible for eradicating smallpox from large areas of the world. But I think that there can be no question also that by present day standards, smallpox vaccine or as a vac vaccine is a very poor vaccine. And I think for two reasons it's a poor vaccine. Uh, for one reason, the duration of, of immunity that is afforded by your smallpox vaccination is relatively short in duration and probably absolute immunity to smallpox from the vaccine is no longer than three years. Number two, there are a significant number of complications that are associated with this particular vaccine and a significant amount of, of mortality. Now, for a long time in this country, we've practiced routine uh, preschool and infant vaccination so that 
within this country, about 90% of the people have been vaccinated at least one time in their life. And it's also true since 1949, there have been no cases of smallpox imported into the United States. But for this, we've paid a real price. Based on surveys that we've done in 1968, 1963, and review of the death certificates, there can be no question that there are at least seven deaths a year as a result of our smallpox vaccination policy. And the other question that this brings up, is this really been the reason that we have been free of smallpox? If you look carefully in terms of the immunity of the nation, you'll find that 80% of the population has not been vaccinated within three years and therefore are not absolutely protected against smallpox, and 50% have not been vaccinated for greater than 15 years and probably have little or no protection at all to smallpox. Whereas the epidemiology of smallpox is such that this can be prevented from entering into our country, and I think has been, not because our population has been well vaccinated, but because our travelers are well vaccinated. And that I think that the other thing is that there is a very focal disease, and that the secondary cases can be predicted, and they're not going to sweep through the nation as other diseases, perhaps measles or whatnot. But it's the secondary cases are very focal and occur in hospital personnel and family contact. And I think that all we have to do in this country is, number one, immunize our travelers, and that will keep smallpox out. And number two, identify those risks, those population at high risk, and those are your hospital personnel and your family contacts. And it is not necessary to perform routine smallpox vaccination. Uh, thank you, Dr. Neff. I think you've summed up the arguments very nicely here. And I think at this point we should turn to Dr. Sam Katz and see what he has to say uh, concerning uh, the need to continue our present position. I think that it's important to recall that a little over 30 years ago, there were at least 15,000 cases of smallpox in the United States. And that, as Dr. Neff has pointed out, we have had none, basically, over the last 20 years. This is an admirable record, and it's one which I think we all wish to persist and defend. The question which is basic to this is weighing a known dimension against a conjecture. We agree, I think, Dr. Worley, Dr. Neff, and I, that much of this admirable record stems from the widespread use of vaccine. We cannot provide any data on what would happen if we abandoned this widespread immunization program. We can look at the experience in other countries. In 1948, Great Britain abandoned the legal compulsion to smallpox vaccination. Over subsequent years, they've had hundreds of cases of smallpox, which have resulted from importations. And in this regard, I would disagree with Dr. Neff that the vaccination of our travelers will protect us against importations because in most cases it has not been natives returning to their nation who have brought the initial case. It has been a native of a country in which the disease remains endemic, as shown on Dr. Worley's chart. In this regard, then, I think we cannot close the door and rely solely upon the immunization of our travelers. I think we have to accept the fact that we can't control a great deal of the population and that in the jet age, it's very simple for a person to be incubating smallpox, come from Asia, Africa, or Brazil to the United States with no overt disease and introduce the disease within a very short period of time. 
The other feature is I think our physicians are unable to recognize the disease anymore because we're free of it. So this reliance on quick smothering of an outbreak is, I think, a bit optimistic under present circumstances. I think that uh, Dr. Katz has summed up very nicely many of the uh, arguments for continuing our present uh, policies. And I think we have several points that uh, we ought to discuss in depth in order to bring out uh, some of these uh, divergent uh, types of opinions. Now, the first question that I think we might uh, bounce around a bit is concerns the probability of introducing smallpox into uh, the United States with our present uh, surveillance uh, systems, uh, with our present levels of immunization and so on. And I think that uh, the Communicable Disease Center in Atlanta, a number of other uh, 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 organizations such as World Health Organization and the governments of, and the health services of many other countries have studied this problem very carefully. Uh, John, uh, uh, you seem to minimize the risk of uh, bringing uh, smallpox in by uh, either Americans abroad or nationals from other countries. Uh, yes, well, I think the important point here, and I would disagree with Dr. Katz, it's not the nationals of another country, but it's generally the nationals of the country to which smallpox is introduced. And I think one of the reasons is that smallpox now in the present pattern of eradication is being driven back into relatively remote areas, and it is not the cities and it's not the travelers that are, have a tendency to come in contact with uh, with cases of smallpox. And I think that one can look at our, at our own history for the past 20 years. Uh, our protection has not prevented smallpox from spreading in the United States. Actually, we've never been challenged. We haven't had an importation into the United States. How do you know you haven't been challenged? Well, this is a, this is a good question. I think that we have a very good surveillance system at the CDC, at the national CDC, and uh, any suspected case is uh, looked at by a person who is capable of diagnosing smallpox and differentiating this from chickenpox. I can't agree with that now, John. I think you, you can be honest about this without denigrating the medical profession. We've not had the experience in this country looking at smallpox. Even the best physicians acquainted with tropical medicine would be perfectly frank to say that a bad case of chickenpox is impossible to differentiate from a a, a mild or a more severe case of smallpox. I think we can all recall a few years ago when this was exactly what happened, when a lady from Ghana was thought to have smallpox and actually had varicella. Secondly, that emphasized the fact that our laboratory facilities, though they may in rare instances be attuned to this, are not constantly challenged with making the diagnosis of smallpox so that there can be confusion even with the laboratory support that's required for the diagnosis in a country where smallpox is not occurring. But I have no peace of mind about our ability to diagnose smallpox either clinically or laboratory-wise at the drop of a hat in New York, San Francisco, Seattle, Boston, any port where the disease might enter tomorrow. Well, this is certainly a... Uh an area where I think we're going to remain far apart. I wonder if there are two or three things that we could uh, agree with uh, here uh, uh, now. Uh, certainly, we haven't had any widespread occurrence of smallpox in this country for many years. Uh, we're agreed on this point. We agree. Now, it is possible that uh, a case or two cases or an occasional case, one or two, three a year, something like this, may come into the country, uh, may... Uh, occur without spread uh, could conceivably misdiagnose. I would, I would say this again is only conjecture, but to me, if I wanted to use such conjecture, I would use it to reinforce the concept that 
if this is happening periodically, our level of immunization has been sufficient to dampen the spread of disease. I don't like John's use of the word a poor vaccine. There are problems with smallpox vaccine. I think there's good work going on to improve the vaccine. But this business of three years and prevention of disease is one thing. Prevention of death is the other. You're emphasizing death as your big fear with smallpox vaccine. I think you must emphasize death as your fear with the disease. Uh-huh. So there's the key. So what they're trying to say now, you're worried about what the vaccine will do to you and if you'll die, but wouldn't it be worse if you die from COVID? No, because it's a 99% survival rate. Have you seen their numbers? Have you guys actually seen their numbers? Well, there was a study. You know what? We'll take a break and then I'll play that. How's that? We'll take a break and then I'll show you that so we can delve into the history of weaponized diseases. So today's Friday and Tom McDonald released a video and we're going to watch it because I love it. Uh, you know, I, I should actually have him on, but like on the weekend when it's like not a news thing, when it's not about news and it's just like shooting the shit. Here we go. I love the earth, but I don't really want to save it. Everything is sexist, homophobic, or it's racist. When life gives us lemons, we're supposed to want to change it. But my generation rather take some pills than escape it. Say that I'm transphobic if you want to, but one day I'll be a father. And I really hope my son don't grow up to be my daughter. I ain't trying to hurt your feelings. Skin should be a little thicker. That's the problem. Being honest, got them triggered. The kids are getting weaker because they're sheltered by society. Pumpkin spice, Ativan for seasonal anxiety. Wokeness has become a way to bully non-violently and cancel everyone without improving on the life we live. Without the whiteness no black without the straight there's no gay without the men there's no women without the night there's no day without the idiots we couldn't laugh at them when they fall so maybe we need them after all ain't nobody dumber than y'all ain't nobody dumber than y'all i guess you love to be wrong or you don't have the best of the balls I love the earth, but I don't really want to save it. Everyone's obsessed with making stupid people famous. If a white boy raps, then it's called appropriation. But Beyonce has a hair blonde, and people say she slayed it. Everybody's outraged, everybody's mad. Our solutions to the issues don't make no sense. The stairs are the problem, we build wheelchair ramps. We don't cancel feet or persecute the people with legs. The feminists who started the movement would be ashamed of so many things they thought so you can vote i show your butthole on only fans i'm not a bad person because you don't like what i say call me homophobic just because i think straight i love people even though we disagree i wish we could get wi-fi signals from a tree then everyone would plant them and we'd probably save the planet for free too bad we only need them to breathe that's true ain't nobody dumber than y'all ain't nobody dumber than y'all i guess you love to be wrong you don't have the touch of the balls I love the earth, but I don't really want to save it. Classifying people by their sex and race degrades them, but we still stay straight white males are the worst of our population. Guess the labels are okay if they're Caucasian. 
My kids are living in their rooms. I swear we barely ever see them. Go outside sometime. There's fresh air you could be breathing. Put your phones down. Play sports. Do something illegal. Go and meet your families. They're probably nice people. These days, you're a Nazi if you don't hate the police. They say the white folks think all Asian people are Chinese. I'm sorry. What kind of white people you mean? English, Scottish, German, Swedish, or Greek. And Black Lives Matter was problematic. It excludes anyone without the pigment. It's automatic. I understand all the reasons it happened, but including all humans is the actual answer. <laughs> oh, no. Ain't nobody dumber than y'all. Ain't nobody dumber than y'all. Hey, I guess you love to be wrong. You don't have to touch the ball. Okay, that was kind of fire. You guys have to admit, like, that was fire. And I really like the part where he said, why don't you like put your phone down, go outside or just go do something illegal. And I remember that I was, um, oh, I was a few months ago. I think I was actually at Millie's house <laughs> and Phoebe was kind of like around there. And I was like, oh my gosh, just leave your phone, go out and just go do something go commit a crime or something as kids we used to do shit like go do something and she kind of looked at me and when i heard that lyric i remember Amelia gave me the look and gavin was like yeah man we got up to some really messed up shit when we were kids uh which is true we used to do things like how many of us went exploring okay i didn't do any of that stuff in new york i'm dead serious i had most of my childhood stuff where i went exploring and did stuff in Greece, because I lived in Manhattan. Where am I going to explore in the fashion district? Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, where, where am I going to go to? The Ringley Brothers Circus. How many times? Grateful Dead concert. Am I going to go explore? My exploring actually was the Macy's toy floor. I think it was a fifth floor was where all the toys were. We're going down to FAO, hanging out. And, you know, there's only so many times you can go through the Bronx Zoo without, you know, getting bored. But I did enjoy my childhood in the summers when my parents would be like, oh shit, school's out. Next day they put me on a plane and send me off to my grandparents. Um, that was the most fun I had. We would like hide in trees with my cousins and shoot each other with uh, these little balls that are supposed to be fruit, but they were really hard because they didn't turn into fruit yet. Um, We'd go climb a mountain. There was one time where I climbed the side of the mountain and then everyone was going down. I didn't want to get down. I was like, yeah, I'll just stay here in the middle forever. Um, you know, this is the type of stuff kids used to do. They used to get in trouble. They used to push the limits. And that's the thing. Today, when I watched that video of that kid being dragged out from the university, it was a university, of course, because if that was a high school, I would have been even more pissed. But when I saw all the kids just watching this kid be dragged out for not wearing a mask, right, by the police, by the police, and they can't say he's trespassing because he's paying to be there, right, by the police. Nobody stood up for him. They all sat there. And I'm like, damn, are they, like, all spineless? They're adults. They're in, they're in college. And they sat there. Some of them were laughing too. We taught our kids or we were taught as kids that the sky's the limit. You could be whatever you want. Now they tell kids, 
well, you know, because you're this color, you're going to have to try harder. And because you're this color, you better stop trying hard, okay? You're not allowed to. You're already at a privilege. So while everyone else starts at, you know, a base grade, you started at an F and you need to work it up because you're white. It's no joke. They do stuff like that. And so not only that, they tell children that they can't do anything, that they need to obey, and that they shouldn't question things. The only way we solve problems is by asking questions. The only way we have innovation is by having debate and pushing boundaries. The only way we get something new and magnificent is because someone thought outside the box. But what they are doing now is putting kids in a box. They're all obedient. I'll tell you what, when my daughter um, was in school during the spring, she was wearing this mask. And every time I would take her to school, she would have the mask on, uh, pick her up from school. She'd wear the mask without even realizing she's wearing it. She's like, oh, it's habit. And I was like, no, stop making it a habit. Just stop, stop. It's not helping you. And you're just playing along with the rules. She was like, well, I'm new, you know, and I don't know anyone. We don't even see each other's faces and we're all far apart. This is why this year she was like, damn, I'm not playing this game anymore. I want to make friends. I want to be social. And I want someone to tell me that I have to do something. On the other hand, let me just say the parents that have children in that school, there was a parent that was going to be arrested. Hold on. Let me get that video for us. Because you should watch it. It was actually an interview done by um, Fox affiliate Chris Berg. Let me let me find it. He got trashed on Facebook by the maskers. They even asked questions like, were the kids vaccinated? And it's like, it's none of your business. Why are you asking? I'm so glad that I saw some people stand up for that child's dignity and not saying things like that. But um, it was really sad to watch the way people responded. I was just like, that's so disgusting. Like, ew. I couldn't believe that there's people like that. Well, you know, that really think like that. You know, you hear about it and you're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, <laughs> there are, I have them on my, on my own Facebook, but I'm, are you kidding? I don't want to have to log in to watch a video. Are you freaking kidding me? In order to watch something on Facebook, now I have to log in. That's so bad. Oh, can't stand freaking the agency. Fuckers. Excuse my French. Let me log in because I have it on a different device. I don't log into the devices. All right. Yes, I did. Let me in. Okay, it said login approved. So can we do this now? All right, here we go. Let's go. Let me allow you guys this uh, <laughs> this enragement because there were people laughing too at these as at these parents. I was just kind of like, I, I don't believe that I'm watching this. These are adults that supposedly again. China red, because next week we'll talk about it, but North Dakota is really going into um, uh, um, into it hard because they're getting the social, po the social um, credit score system going. 
uh, basically. You're going to be using a smart card, which is like your debit card to vote. That's exactly what they're doing in Europe. Here we go. Take a listen to this. Talk about a, a story where a family and their parents are joining us here tonight, which I'll introduce them in a moment. But they wanted to bring their son to school and have him not wear a mask. And the dad, Nick Meadows, ended up getting a phone call from essentially the Fargo Police Department, but the head of the SRO, school resource officer. So his wife, Lana, and Nick Meadows join us in studio tonight to share more about their story. So to both of you, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. I want to have you on just because there are so many parents right now that have been reaching out to me that are so frustrated with this situation. And so what I really want to do tonight, because I think a lot of people relate to your stories, is give you a chance to share what's been happening. And Lana, I wanted to start with you because I think it was yesterday you brought your son to school. And my understanding is he was basically segregated within the principal's office. And please share. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we didn't get that far. But um, we were walking into school, just me and my son, um, seventh grader, little guy. If you know him, he's small. Um, so we were just walking in and then the principal stopped and, um, we didn't have our masks on cause I figured, you know, he doesn't need one really. I don't feel like he does. He's, it's his choice and I'm supporting him in it. Um, so the principal said, do you have a mask? And I said, no, or thank you. And we were just going to keep on walking. And then she's like, okay, do you have a medical exemption? And I'm like, no, we don't, because I didn't really feel like I needed to go to a doctor for my son to not have a mask on. And then I didn't say all that, but that was my thinking. And so I told my son to go on in and he went in and then we went and chatted in her office that he needs to have a mask or he either hangs out in her office all day alone or I just take him home. And this went on for a couple of minutes, but m mainly just me sitting there thinking, you know, if you know my son, he's small, he's, he follows direction, doesn't break the law, he's, he's, he respects authority, but in this instance, I'm like, you don't, like there's no law that you have to do this. So I agree with her. You know, she's trying, but then there's that, that Karen, you see, there's this person named Stacy here. Her comment is, you keep saying how your kid follows the rules, but he's not following the rule. It's not difficult. I bet if you two parents were making this an issue, he would wear a mask. Karen's. You mean the cheap paper mask made in China? The ones that say right on the box does not protect against the virus. And here she is talking about things. And then again, so if the rule was to wear a yellow star of David on your person because someone told you so, would you do that too? I love it when people actually respond to these Karens and put them in their place. But you know, they don't respond. They drop comments like that. And then they just run away, right? This is what they do. They want to trigger you because they're going to be winners, right? These are the people that are going to be winners, these people, the people that tell you that you should listen to rules that violate the Constitution. You know, it's your body. Nobody is going to tell you you have to do this. Like, it's your choice. So we were 100% for this and supporting him. And she, the principal reiterated that um, if we would offer him a mask and then if he doesn't want a mask, 
then we will call the parents and then have have you come and get them and then if this keeps on happening then he will either be um suspended or distant learning would be an option too and that was not an option to distant learning because he he doesn't he didn't want that so we'll get to that in a moment i guess what, what's missing for maybe you can fill in the blanks is then how then did it go from this conversation to Again, essentially, the Fargo Police Department, they had SROs getting your phone number and calling you. So what happened was after the night that she or the morning that she came back, um, I got back from work and we had a conversation about what had happened. And I decided I got kind of angry. Uh, I decided that I was going to do it the next morning and I was going to take my son in. And, you know, I you know thought I knew everything um, about being able to walk on public ground and stuff. But um so we put up a um, Facebook in a Facebook group around. We put up an ad to see if any other parents wanted to do it with us or maybe somebody would join me to help, you know, a little bit harder to intimidate a group of people than one. Um, somebody got a hold of the um, information and apparently called the RSOs SRO. or SROs at the school. Um, so a Karen saw his post asking for Americans to unite. And that Karen called the police officer, the, 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 that's a resource officer of the school, to tell on him that he's going to come to the school with no mask. Who is that person? You see the evil? That's evil. That's evil. That is evil. Um, so first, the SRO for, our, for Discovery Middle School called me, and he was very polite and um everything. He just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to cause a scene and that uh, I would sign in to the office. And then he didn't have anything to say about me not being able to do it or anything. But then about 10 minutes later, his sergeant, um, the um, SRO coordinator, uh, she called me and the conversation was quite a bit different. Um, she, without saying it outright, she in basically told me that when I get there tomorrow, if I'm refused on the property for any reason, that I would be arrested for criminal trespass. And um, uh, so there was that. And then. Um, so here's where the problem is. You can't trespass on property that you pay for. His taxes pay for that shit. I'd like to see how she can say it's criminal trespass when he has every right to be there. Now, let's go to another Karen comment. This is from a lady named Cam Catherine Netzer. These are the people that will be turning on the ovens. These are the Nazi people that turn on the ovens to kill you or shoot you for not paying attention. Do these parents insist their son wear a helmet when riding his bike? How about a seatbelt, a warm coat in the winter, protective pads when playing football? Have they had the conversation with him that even though a mask might be uncomfortable, he's doing his part to keep the classroom safe? Remember, the greater good. This is how slaves talk. Kids are given mask breaks, and I've heard no complaints from my grade school grandchildren. They aren't overly excited about wearing masks, but their parents have emphasized that wearing a mask is a way that you can fight the virus! Exclamation point. How did these parents feel about the vaccine? If we had all done our part earlier, the mask thing wouldn't be an issue at uh, issue this fall. So someone said. All the objects you mentioned above actually do provide protection. Masks don't. 
And here is the Karen responding. Even if that were true, what harm do they do? Why do you think doctors and nurses wear them in surgery? So they don't spit, inhale, cough, or sneeze while they have their hands in your open body that is ready for infection. Yes, to protect the patient. That's why they wear a mask. It's actually for the sneezing and the coughing and the spitting when they talk. So the, another one, why is it so hard to care about other people and not to be responsible for the ongoing mutations of this virus caused by the unvaccinated? Woo! Bobby Boyer needs to see the document I'm going to show you after this clip. The CDC knew from July that it's the vaccinated people that are causing, what is it called? Breakthrough coronavirus, meaning they're creating the virus, right? That's what Bobby needs to know. We do end up going the next morning. Uh, I did some research when we were gone. That's actually, she actually lied to me, but... Can I just interrupt you for a moment? Yep. So is there any, because you said this gentleman called you, the school SRO, and hey, want to make sure you're not going to be, is there any history of you getting out of control or doing anything? No, that, no I, have, uh, I have no record of doing anything. I only like asked that, that so. because it just seems odd to me that an SRO is going to say, hey, you're not going to get out of control about a mask. Or, like, I, like, that's what I'm trying to get at tonight is the emotions around these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to the rest of your story in a moment, but I think a lot of people at home, I know what they're saying right now is, it's a policy. Just put the mask on. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Um, I say no, <laughs> because for so many reasons, um, it, I don't even know like where to start with this. Um, I don't feel like it's it's your body. How can somebody tell you what to do on it? And I understand the whole point of disease and people getting sick. And like, I know all that medical stuff. I know that I'm not a doctor, but I know how it works. But it's, I think it causes more problems than anything, especially in the school age kids. How much time is going to be spent adjusting? How much time is going to be spent by the teachers, don't touch your mask, don't do this. I mean, then if kids have to read out loud and they're quiet readers like my son, teacher's going to be like, what? I can't hear you. You have to speak up and that is going to make him self-conscious. And then he wears glasses and like it's get foggy. It's just one thing after another. And it can all be prevented. Let alone the big thing I hear, I do want you to get the chance to finish your story about what happened today, but just the mental health challenges I'm hearing from kids and parents about having to wear these masks all day. Yeah, or what about the little kids that have boogers and saliva and don't wipe their mouth? It's like it's worse than a diaper. Remember, I've told you your mouth is filthier than your butthole, right? Now, listen to what J.J. Buckley said. My kids have actual, oh my gosh. Stop pinging me, people. My kids have actual health issues, and you can distance learn and go to another school. Be considerate of other children. It's not just about you. He can go to therapy if he's having mental health issues from a mask. My daughter has social anxiety, but she goes on the bus and to school wearing her mask all day. She's a very strong-willed little girl, but feels it's better to be safe than sorry. Think about it for the sake of the world. Now, how many children, listen, this mom says that her children have actual health issues. Then she should keep them at home. Because out of 200 kids, 
to have severe health issues. And if you're terrified about COVID, you keep them home, right? We're not going to sacrifice everyone for the two little children that, you know, decide, the mom decides that they're going to get hurt. It sounds like the other lady. I'm, you know, and this, and it's like, if you're that scared, stay the fuck home. Why are you killing it for everyone else? You know, that's the way it is. And these people are trying to convince, to feel sorry for them. I give zero sorry fucks for you, period. If you think that your kid is going to get ill, why would you even risk it? If my kid, if my kid has a health issue, there's no way I'm going to put her somewhere, even without COVID, flus, You know, when we all get sick, August, September, when the kids go back to school, we get all the cooties, there's hand and foot going around. It's a complete shit show. And back in the days, it used to be lice. If you, if you guys remember, I remember, I remember, I remember that they would check kids' heads because one of them would bring them. So, you know, if you think your kid is sick, keep it home. If you're that scared, keep it home. Like, why are you going to ruin it for everyone else? And everyone should wear masks and have a gross ass diaper in their face with boogers and food. These are kids because you want it to stay home. If you're that scared, stay home. And you know what sucks? I see people. There was a woman that reprimanded me uh, weeks, weeks ago at a place uh, right by my post office. She was like uh, the door person there. Put your mask on. And I'm like, whatever. I just rolled my eyes and walked into the post office. Well, I I saw her the other day when I went back to the post office. And there she is, like with her mask on, but it's below her nose. If you were terrified, that shit would be taped to your face. If you really believed that the mask worked, you'd have duct tape, you'd have inner tape, you'd be double masking it like the crazy woman that first spoke. And crazy meaning she's crazy scared, right? Not mentally, like... Yeah, she's, I would say that she's terrified, terrified of walking outside. She had her mask, two of them, maybe three, wrapped up so tight they weren't even moving while she spoke, right? So if they are really terrified, their masks will be on properly all the time and they won't be dirty or flimsy. They'll wear like three or four. Then there's the people that are just complying because yeah, I'm a good citizen. Look at me. I'm just doing my part. So they're just wearing it and it falls off their nose and shit. I mean, even at the school board, the one guy was half asleep. You guys got to watch the video of this old guy and his mask was falling off as he was passing out. So it's like mask, mask, mask. Wear your mask. Don't want to see your stupid face, slave. But listen, there's more. The police actually got back to the show and said, the police department does not enforce mask policies in the Fargo public school, nor does it take a position on whether or not the policy should be in place. The purpose of the school resource officer in the school is to ensure that the students and staff have a safe learning environment free of any disturbances. Okay, I've emailed this chick a few times when she had that Somali guy that was 21 in high school that raped the 13 and 14 year old and asked her why a 21 year old was even in the presence and how that happened. Um, I have a couple of emails with her <laughs> when I was like on the Ilhan Omar Somali thing. Uh, so 
So anyway, so the police aren't going to enforce it. So the schools can't do shit. Really, they can't. And it's not criminal trespass because he pays taxes. That's his school. There's your son having similar things go on from a mental health standpoint or? Yes, he's um, he's expressed the fact that when when he is is forced to wear a mask, that it makes it he feels like it makes it harder to breathe. I mean, it might not it actually do that, but it doesn't matter from his from his viewpoint. It makes it harder to breathe and, and it scares him. It actually scares him when he has to breathe through them for too long. Yeah, I mean, it's all day they have to have. So let's finish your story. So now you went and you said, did some homework about being able to be on public property. You showed up today with your son, no mask. Mm -hmm. Walk us through what happened today. So when I showed up today, um, we went in and confronted the principal and um, both of the RSO officers that had called me showed up. Um, uh, so we went into the principal's office to have a conversation. Um, so let me just say, I feel really bad. This guy, Nick, goes in there and none of the other people in the community went with him. Damn. Talk about community ethics. I did confront the um, sergeant that's in charge uh, about the fact that she, I feel like she lied to me through omission because they can't actually arrest you or remove you from public property without someone willing to press charges. And she left that out of the, the other phone call. So I thought that was an intimidation tactic. But um, so I got to talking with the principal. I went through a few things that I learned in my research um, and stuff. And basically, I got through all that. They didn't really care that they were breaking laws. Their policy was their law I, it it was you know um and then i once i was done with that i i read her a heartfelt three-page letter that i had carefully thought out and everything um i feel like she didn't care she didn't bat an eye i think at one point in the conversation she actually rolled her eyes at me um and then uh we got past that part and the last disturbing part that happened was I turned to the officer, the sergeant in charge again, and I asked her, so what would happen to my son if he chose to stay here without a mask? I was like, are you going to arrest him? She said, no, she's not going to arrest a, a juvenile. But what would happen is, is that if he goes into the school without a mask, he'd be asked to put a mask on. If he doesn't, he'd be asked to come to the principal's office and stay all day. Um, if he doesn't want to do that, then they would call a parent in order to come pick him up. And if I chose to support him and let him stay at school without a mask during the day, that she would call social services on me. So we had a back and forth of that a couple of times where I basically uh, told her that I feel like she's trying. Whoa, whoa. Did you guys hear that? The bitch threatened social services. Holy shit. Holy shit. What? Did you see that? They threatened him to take his kid away. Are you listening for all those out there? They won't do that in America. Where the fuck are all these people in North Dakota with their guns out and going hunting? You should stick that gun up your butt because you're going to be giving that shit away. You're letting them do this to your kids. None of them can read. None of them can read actual research. There are CDC studies that say children shouldn't be in masks. They're not even at risk. Yet, you know, now that there's vaccines, there's breakthrough, which are humanly created viruses, and they can get sick. But their survival rate is 99.99902. Like, shut up. 
The flu is deadlier than that. Are you listening to this? This is important. This is very, very important. Very important. To tell me that if I don't obey, that she's going to call social services and try to have my ch- my son taken from so, me. Just, you know, I spoke with Sergeant Jacobson earlier today. She goes, Chris, I think there was a misunderstanding. I wasn't suggesting that I was going to call social services on him. She said that's protocol. If a parent doesn't pick up a child, I don't want to get into semantics, but just so you know, that that was her kind of response to that. Right. She had to walk that shit back. So I got a minute left from both of you. Where do you go from here? Are you going to just pull your kid out of school? What like What's next for you guys? We'll start with you. Um, we are heavily considering homeschooling, which is doable with us. That's not going to be an issue. Um, so no, no homeschooling. Where the hell is the fucking community to get together and say, we're in a room with every single one of them. All our kids aren't going with masks. If your kids are sick, keep them the fuck home. If you're scared of it, stay home and sanitize the shit out of everything. Don't bring that stuff where we're paying taxes. You're taking our tax dollars for that school. Every single one of them should have been dragged out by every single parent. But the thing is, everyone is a freaking vagina. No one stands up for the others. No one does. And this is why we differ. Anything that happens to one of us happens to all of us. There's there's one person that we all know and love, and I'm not going to shine any light, that lost their job for not wearing a mask. They were fired for not wearing a mask. Guess what? We're all going to be right behind them. When they have their unemployment hearing call, right, when they file for unemployment and they're denied, right, I'll be on that phone call. And on that phone call, we'll have them the best damn lawyer because all of us can chip in 20 bucks. Each and every one of us should be holding each other up because every battle they win is a battle won for us to take them all down. That's how it works. Where we go one, we go all means I'm not here just to, oh yeah, Q's going to save the day. No, Q is giving you information to know just how messed up shit is. Q was also warning you about patriots and people who are just sitting there making a profit rather than actually doing shit. Q said, you need to unite. You need to have one voice. These are the things that were said. Where we go one, we go all doesn't mean follow Mel Q and look at her red digital stream where she finds a post from like a year ago and then connects the like, what the fuck is that? You look insane. You look insane. Whatever operations are having in the background. And I can assure you that all of them have zero knowledge, zero knowledge, zero, right? You, you don't need to know. But what we need to do as a people is take every single one of them down. And the way we do it is one battle at a time. And guess what? We can lose battles. Huh? We're not losing this war. We've got a lawyer that we're going to be doing a campaign for, not money, writing letters. Because guess what, guys? Our next job is removing a freaking judge. Yep. Because when a judge takes a position that's not good, well... The people can remove it. And when there's evidence of that in court filings and then they file. So they file something that's fucked up and against the law and says, whoa, you're not. That's illegal. What you said, judge, if you do that, it shows your intention. And then they pull it out. Now, when you know that the other person on the other side of the lawsuit is the attorney general and a governor and you correct yourself, 
That means the attorney general or the governor gave you a heads up. Guess what that means? We're going to find that shit out and we're going to hang you out to dry. So then the next judge that thinks he's going to do shit like that, we're going to have him hung out to dry. This is how you win as a community working as one, not leaving these poor people by themselves. Jesus. And then, and then people get upset when I say North Dakota is filled with really woke people. Woke is shit. And I'm really sad about it because um, I really wanted him to go to school and he wanted to be with friends. And um, I just I just can't imagine any kid being quarantined in a student office where other kids go when they are naughty. But my son, who is um he follows the rules and he obeys the law and does what others tell him to do but he stands up for himself and says no and he's gonna um have to be alone in a room all day there's a lot of parents that feel the way you do i had a lot of conversations today i'm sorry that you're having to deal with this Thank you. You want to say anything, Dad? No, I think she said it better. I mean, folks, what are we doing? I just breaks my heart to see this. This young man wants to go to school, wants to be with his peers, and we're telling him no. When I said last night, there is still not conclusive evidence that masks are going to mitigate the situation in K through twelve schools. If you've got conclusive evidence that these masks are going to make that big of an impact then please share it with me but i have yet to see it have you guys no what can we do to help um at this point we're just um basically uh trying to figure out what to do for schooling with our son and then uh, at some point in the future we will be seeking legal action against Fargo Public Schools. So uh, anybody that could give us any information or help in that nature would be amazing. All right. Keep in touch, will you, please? Yep. Thank you. Thank you. In our prayers. No need to say, obviously, the Tory Says team is contacting them with things that they can do. Hold on. Let me, um, let me find another one. Now you guys get to see my friends list that I have hidden. Hold on. I wanted to show you something that Facebook did. And I want to show you the comments because you need to see the vitriol that they spew. Do you know who this woman is? Did I play this video? I don't think I played it because I was looking for it. We'll play it. This is a woman who's actually an, invent an environmental toxicologist. Look at the comments. I just want you to see the comments. Hold on. Here we go. All comments. The fact checkers are busy trying to nullify anything that goes against the propaganda they keep slinging under their thumb. I just want to see these fact checkers take on stupid fact checkers off. Haha, ha, epic fail for video. Haha, ha, epic fail for uh, intelligent comment. Chris Berg posts fraudulent info. QAnon crazy. These are what they're doing. Now let's watch this together. Hold on. Let me... Guilty of cross contamination by placing their masks on the surface. Thank you. 
Remember, fact checkers came out when the truth started coming out, right? I'm not worried about I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm more afraid of biologics. All right, so my name is Kristen Megan Kelly. I reside in Hudsonville. I'm here today representing a lot of my neighbors and friends who have children at the school. I can confidently say I am the only subject matter expert in this room. You've heard from a pediatrician, you've heard from healthcare workers. I am the only subject matter expert in this room to speak on masks. I applaud the parents who've done their due diligence. I'm gonna tell you a little bit of my background. I have spent the past 19 years working the field of occupational and environmental toxicology as a senior industrial hygienist. I have cross-credentialed in public health, decontamination site management, I've sat in infection control and prevention committees, infection disease committees in hospitals. In fact, hospitals cannot be built, like if you have new construction, because I spent most of my career in healthcare. They cannot build a building without consulting with an industrial hygienist. Why? I'm going to explain. So you have to understand my frustration. I'm glad I went last because then I can address some of the fear that I'm hearing and the misinformation. I'm going to give you some credit for the fact that you haven't heard of my profession, most likely, because the media has the MDs and the DOs and the nurses on TV. They are skilled, they um, treat people, I protect people. And I train those doctors that are on TV and they are not telling you the truth. The doctors that are telling you the truth, by the way, are here in town, the frontline doctors, neurologists, pediatricians, the ones I work with around the country are here this weekend at an event. And we are trying to let all the superintendents know, all the staff know. I understand you've been led wrong. This is not political for me. I'm a military veteran. I spent nine years in, on, in, in the Air Force working in bioenvironmental engineering. Those burn pits you heard of, we air sampled them. 9-11, we air sampled them. Tell me why now, during every previous pandemic, my profession has been involved with air sampling and doing risk mitigation, selecting the controls. Why were we ignored during COVID? That's right, because this is not about the health and safety. That's not my opinion, that is fact. Because the fact is, Every single mask that someone has on this room has 0% efficacy. The reason I know that is because I am a court credentialed expert. I have been on countless court cases over the past year and I've won every single one in favor of doctors I've defended, military people, you name it. Teachers suing their employers. I've protected them and we've won every case because the science is on my side. So guess who's hiring her to come as her court expert? who's suing the Mayfield School District. That's what's up. Please write this down. Everybody write this down. Go on YouTube and look up Petty Podcast. Petty, Stephen Petty is a mentor of mine. He's the highest credentialed industrial hygienist in my field. I'm trying to get you to understand that masks do not work. We must follow something called the hierarchy of controls. It's a little upside down pyramid. We cannot engineer out the hazard. Excuse me. We cannot substitute out the hazard. It's not a chemical. We have a virus. It's aerosolized. Do you know that one COVID micron is 40,000 times smaller in area than the cross section of a human hair? Look at one piece of human hair. Your masks, everyone's masks, they're not tight fitting. Masks do not stop a virus. In my almost 20 years in this profession, we have never ever in any setting, military, hospital, nothing. And I managed the decon line of the city of Chicago in the event of pandemic. We never put people in masks. We put them in respiratory protection. The reason we don't put people in masks is because we did a violent test and we put power on services and didn't tell the healthcare workers and the military people bringing them in. They kept touching their masks. They had it in their hair, they had it on the water bottles. Every person in this room has touched their masks. I've seen them. And I'm not trying to shame you. I understand you've been misguided and you're not following 29 CFR 1910.134 appendix D in an occupational setting that we're gonna electively wear a mask that's not ready to protect you from the hazard. You must be trained in the limitation storage cleaning usage. 
the pediatrician that was up here and stuck her mask on here, no disrespect, she loses all credibility. Because in a healthcare setting, I would write her up. Please understand, I'm not just here to complain. I'm going to tell you what you can do. You ready? You follow the hierarchy of controls. And to the superintendent, I can, um, after the facts, you can look at my number. I don't give my address for security reasons, but I can guide you. There was engineering controls, dilution and destruction technology, 10 grand a building, use your COVID funds. I wave air. I profit off that. It's just a grand I like. It will kill all viruses, bacteria, and mold in your buildings. So not only is that great for now, it's great for everything. So please remember, I'm not here to say master work. I'm providing a resolution. Engineering controls. Please look up Petty Podcasts. Stephen Petty, again, Petty Podcasts. His videos are 4 to 12 minutes. Talks about source control and engineering controls. We are the subject matter experts. Please stop listening to the white coats because the real white coats will tell you I am the expert. My field is the expert. Thank you. Unmask our children. It is child abuse. By definition, it does decrease oxygen by up to 20%. That's why you have to have a medical clearance to wear an N95 respirator. Decreases oxygen by 20%. See, they don't like the truth. I, you know, obviously when I sue, I'm going to have, I'm, I've reached out to Stephen Petty. I'm going to have her and I'm going to try to reach out to the frontline doctors to come as well. I will take back any control that they think they have. I will not only address the mask issue and get them removed and find them uh, guilty of misconduct, right? Misconduct of child abuse. But I will also make sure that school can never have a vax mandate. That's how I'm going to do it because I'll have a judgment for it too. So until <laughs> you can't mandate anything. So we'll tackle the masks and on the back of that, we'll tackle everything else. So there was something that I wanted, I, I wanted to dovetail in Stephen Petty. There's one podcast that he did uh, that was important. And that was called how people get persuaded. And we've talked about persuasion many times, but his perspective is completely different. And I love it. And it's perfect because it so aligns with what's going on right now. Take a listen. Oops, you can't take a listen yet. There we go. Big tonight that's uh, really of interest to me personally. Uh, it's, it's a topic that... Uh, is important not only to in the COVID area, but it's important in general life in terms of how people try to persuade you and how you can persuade others. Uh, I was blessed enough to have an MBA one time and, and taught the art of persuasion. And I thought I would share with you some of the things that I learned as part of uh, that formal training. Recall that I, uh, I uh, may have spoken in the past about the triangle for hierarchy of controls, but there's another triangle for how you persuade people. And this triangle I've shown in graphical form, it's another inverted pyramid with the most effective ways to persuade people on the top and the least effective ways on the bottom. The, the most effective way to um, get people to move in your direction is with an emotional appeal, and we'll give examples of that in a second. The next most effective way is what we call propaganda. It has a negative connotation, but it really simply means repeated message. Say the same thing over and over again, and people will believe you. And the least effective way is logic. Uh, unfortunately to me as a scientist, a young scientist, I found that uh, 
to be very disturbing. But the fact of the matter is it's the least effective way to persuade people. So let's talk about some examples. The most effective way, as I mentioned earlier, is emotional appeal. So in the area of, for instance, COVID and wearing a mask, the uh, approach that's being used by public health officials, including CDC and others, is to say wear a mask to protect others, get the vaccine so you can protect others, see your grandchildren, et cetera. Very effective. Um, and, and unfortunately, in many cases, it's very effective because you can use emotional appeal to persuade people to do things that may not be the, the best. In other words, we've talked at length in these podcasts that rather than wearing a mask, it would be much more effective if you either had ventilation or you used destruction technologies. Instead, we're facing a mask. And the reason it's working is because it's a, it, from an emotional appeal standpoint, it's very effective. The next effective, most effective way to persuade people is propaganda repeated message. How many times have you heard mask, 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 wear a mask? And you can take almost any topic where it's been people have persuaded you and think about it, and you'll realize that the message has been repeated to you over and over and over again, and it works. And, of course, the least effective way is logic. And uh, like I said before, for a scientist, we're sort of disappointed by that. But if you tell people masks don't work, that's not going to work nearly as well as wear a mask because you can protect your fellow citizens. Whether that's true or not, we can debate, but it is an effective way to communicate. So here they all are in one place, and I've used basically the hierarchy of uh, the art of persuasion from most effective to least effective and used masks simply as an example. Again, emotional appeal being the most effective, propaganda the next most effective, and the least effective is logic. Remember that we must, in order to persuade people to use effective methods to protect them from exposure, use things that emotionally will appeal to them. For example, I've talked in earlier podcasts that COVID aerosols are about 4,000 times smaller in area and 1,000 times smaller in diameter than human hair. People can visualize that. They get it. When you ask them, can you slip a human hair past the side of your mask, the answer, of course, is yes. And the little guys here are 4,000 times smaller in area and 1,000 times smaller in diameter. So, of course, they're going to get by that mask. The other thing is you cannot uh, seal a mask. So it is a challenge in order to get people to understand the logic in an emotionally effective way, but it can be done. Again, we have to remind people, dilution, ventilation, destruction. Those are the things that will actually lower people's exposures, much more so than a mask. And we need to persuade people with emotionally effective arguments on the issue of dilution, ventilation, and destruction. Again, I appreciate you watching this podcast, a little different topic, but as you think about your everyday life and how people persuade you or you're persuaded, think about this hierarchy of controls with respect to persuasion, emotional appeal, propaganda, and, or repeated message, and logic. appreciate you watching this podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much. So, for all of you out there suffering, like, you know, that patriot, that... Uh, lost his job for not wearing a mask. Well, you know, here's where the specialist comes in and says they don't work. And I have all these credentials. We're all court approved. We are the experts and none of these masks work. Therefore, they've enforced dress code that is hindering to breathing and they're the experts and they will bring that in too. 
So there we go. I mean, this is how you win. You win with facts on a turf that is only about facts, okay? Only about facts. There, there's no, well, yeah, the children, the judge is going to be like, wait a minute, what does the law say? There's a federal code about respiratory uh, devices. Has anyone looked at it? Oh, oh dear. I see. See, this is, excuse me, this is how you win. The way you win is by, all right, let them do whatever. We could sue the shit out of all of them. You think we can make, we can have fun doing this shit too. We can have total fun. In in North Allegheny County in, in Pittsburgh, they, they got a temporary restraining order against their school board. And just like that, the mask mandate was lifted from the whole damn area. We own everything. Our taxes pay from everything. We should just fucking do it for shits and giggles. I mean, at the end of the day, they're laughing at us. All these corporations have taken over. Who is the one that is rebuttaling all these anti-mandatory VASC bills? The fucking corporations. You're the consumer. When did the, when did the script flip? They're telling courts. I, I was listening to them in Ohio and I was like, holy crap. Did that demon just say that the, that the employer has the right to put shit in your body to work? Um, in English translated, that comes out to the word slave. So you need, you go and do a job and they own you. I'm sorry. What? My kid goes to school with my federal tax dollars and you own my kid. I'm sorry. What? There are so many of us. I mean, just in the group, we're enough to cause a shit ton of damage. And what we do is we group together. That's all. We group together in masses. What are they going to do? They're going to have so many lawsuits up their ass. They won't even know where to look. And when a judge violates the law, he gets removed. Because guess what? The Judiciary Board gets 15,000 letters from people across the nation calling it appalling. That shit goes on his record. It's not shit that they'll be like, yeah, so we're going to ignore this letter and that letter and this letter. And no, that goes on his record. Could you imagine if we all coordinated, hey, one letter, one stamp. Let's all prepare with ink and a stamp. We all send it on the same time. So that way, the mailman, when he comes that morning, he brings him a big fucking badass bag and says, this judge sucks. Thank you from America. We've been watching this. This looks kind of sniffy, dirty, underhanded. Let's do it. That's all. That's all. You bombard them and they don't know what hit them. Because that's all you have to do. Drop those letters, break their phones, smash those emails. Suddenly, shit gets fixed. What are they going to do? Change their phone number? Like, we're not going to find it. What are they going to do? Change their email? Like, we're not going to find it. Are you going to ban our letters from the post office? If we paid, you know, some of us actually pay, you know, registered. I want a receipt that they got it, right? What are they going to do? Mailman's going to be like, damn, that's a shit ton of mail you're getting. Judicial review board. Boom. That goes on his record regardless. And some of these judges are fucking elected. Huh. How are you going to win from that one? And then it all takes you knowing the mailman in the area. Hey, when you get all those letters, can you snap a picture and just send it to me? It could be anyone. It could be, hey, when are you going to be delivering? Tell me so I can be outside. 
or I'll stalk the building so I could take a picture of you with a big ass mailbag and then send it out all over social media because we're the news. Fuck the media, right? Showing, look how many letters they got to remove a judge. That's how you do it. They don't have power. You have the power. Andy Breitbart told you, you got a phone with a camera, use it. You're the news. This is war. And if you haven't realized that we are fighting a war, well, it's time you realize it. The only thing is, the only weapon we need in our cash is a pen and our voice. Well, our voice is translated with a pen. And that's how it works. And you do serious damage. Serious damage. Crash their phones, crash their emails, crash their mailboxes. What are they going to say? You're not allowed to redress grievances to the government. See, I'm not harassing a company. I'm demanding my government to uphold the law. You can't trash me for smashing your phones with a million phone calls, smashing your email with a shit ton of emails. I mean, the attorney general of Ohio has turned off his email now. One email that you send, then you get on the do not accept emails list. Uh-huh. But you know, all you need to do is go to the attorney general's office, get one idiot's card and maybe a list of all their emails because they're yours and you can ask for it. And then you can smash them on emails again too. And every single time you get a refusal notice, that's a big problem from there legally. Cause I know that the Ohio people have been collecting that shit. And the minute we collect enough of them, we can then file a complaint that the attorney general's office is refusing communications. That's a big problem. So this is how it's done. This is how it's done. You get off your knees and you realize that in this equation, you're the giant. They're not. They never were. They're just bluffing. And you're not calling their bluff. And so this is how it's done. You stand up for yourself. No one's going to stand up for you, but they'll stand with you, right? And that's what broke my heart the most watching that North Dakota dad. No one went there with him. They're all freaking vaginas. And I know there was a guy there from North Dakota. Oh, yeah, so that's only a small portion of the population. No, man, everyone sucks. You know why? Because they don't stick together. There's, I would say that there's 3% of the population in North Dakota would actually do something. Because they're all so, hmm, they don't want any trouble. They put their head down. It's a good old boys club. We've accepted it. Well, how are you accepting now that your secretary of state, who's been your secretary of state for almost 30 fucking years, the guy's a dinosaur, can't tie a shoe. Now he's pushing that they're going to be recording your votes and you're going to be signing up for QR codes and smart cards in order to vote. And they're going to be tallying them for you and you must trust them. Everyone should be screaming paper ballot from the top of their lungs. And these idiots are sitting there with their hands folded in their lap. Freedom. Where's the guy that was mowing his farm saying Trump? Where is he? I don't see any, hey, they stole the elections. They've been stealing them in North Dakota for a long time. You've got Bill Gates in North Dakota that owns half of the city of Fargo physically. And you're sitting there pretentiously? Sons of Sam, it didn't happen to have a big hub in Minot for no reason. It's evil. It's pure evil. And the sooner the real North Dakotans realize 
that they're the reason that their state is in shambles and in shit like that. Where they have the cartels that have taken over Western North Dakota. The cops that run around and work with these cartels. Their own elected officials, money laundering. The senator of North Dakota has one company at one at one address where there are over, I think there were like 22 companies registered to the same address. And they all filter to another company. They're all shell companies for one company that's an investment company of oil interests. And don't forget, holy crap, I just thought of it. Do you know that two years ago, Senator Hoven invested a shit ton of money in respirators, in uh, ventilators? Oh, my gosh. How did I forget that? I need to look into that. Let me just make a note. See how information just comes back up. Maybe someone wants to dig on that one because Senator Hoven is a swamp creature. He invested in ventilators, uh, hospital equipment. And not only that, the mRNA vaccine is actually being created in Fargo. Oh, and it was his drones, because he's invested in the drone technology, to patrol the borders. Seems like they're all enriching themselves. He's the guy with the porn stash. I actually had a video of him where he got caught when he was running for office. And they asked him, hey, you cheated on your wife, didn't you? And he was like, um, so... Don't know what you're talking about. So, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That would be so incredible to look into. I mean, if I thought about it right now in the train of thought, I can't believe I didn't remember that. I had so much on this guy. But once I left North Dakota, I was like, hey, North Dakota, I came. I tried to help. You annihilated me. Peace out. Um, well, I did what I needed to do, and North Dakota did what it needed to do with me, too, which was season me very well and relieve me of evil dead weight. So, wow, it's Friday. We need to go dance uh, on Twitch. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to go party on Twitch. I'm going to say something. No matter how big some problem looks, don't ever think it's impossible. There are so many things in my life that I could tell you and be like, that's impossible. But no, it happened. And you have to think, you know, in retrospect, how important President Trump being president was. You would have never known the level of corruption that we have. You would have never known what it's like to have a respected president, a respected leader that spoke to you directly like, like a human being that look to you as if you are important to him because you are a president that invokes God. That's what you saw. A president that avoided wars, a president that put you first, a president that made sure you had food in your belly, money in your pocket and housing. A president that wanted you to succeed. And now within eight months, you have a president that increased your gas, made you energy dependent again, opened up the doors to all our enemies to infiltrate, gave a dog whistle to every single corporation. Now the FDA funded it, you go mandate those vaccines because he knows he can't. Do you see how that works? This is how you see the devil. They've taken over every piece of our life. They're forcing the little devils inside you. 
because they hate you. They hate how perfect he created you. And, and, I can, and I can see where the jealousy would come. I feel it sometimes. So ungrateful, so disgusting, so sinful. Can't even follow the rules. Can't even be kind. Look at the evil these humans can do. And they look nice. Should have just made them all blobs of mucus because they're so ungrateful. And yet he loves you. God loves you. And that enrages them. Because not only are you beautiful, but you're not even worthy because you're so ungrateful. And so that's why your destruction to them is necessary. Think about it. He forgives you every day for being ungrateful. He forgives you every day for whatever sin you've done. And you look amazing and beautiful. He forgives you. They hate that. They hate that. And I understand it. Because the biggest evil on this planet is not their jealousy to want to take you out. It's you. It's self-destruction. And for those that understand it, get more upset, more frustrated, hating humans, hating people. So dumb. So ungrateful. Self-destructive. They kill each other, eat each other, rape each other. They just do all this evil stuff when everything could be so awesome if they all just realize their own wants, their own needs align with everybody else's, which is to be free and happy. One of you likes to paint a lot. The other one loves to knit. The other one likes to fiddle with plants. You do you, boo-boo, they say. But no. Instead, it's all evil. And they hate you. They hate you because you're forgiven and they are not. Why? Because they messed with you. They aren't forgiven, but you get forgiven every single moment of your life you are forgiven and they are not and it is not fair but it is but it is god has mercy and all we need is the big guy as the president said a reminder he said we still need the big guy right didn't he we still need the big guy we need his help right we do need his help that's true we need his help you can do all you want but you know you still need help from the boss. We need help from the boss. What happened? We need help. Yeah, we need help. It's all right to say. Now, they'll criticize me for that. How dare he say that? How dare he say that? No, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Somebody said to me the other day, you're the most famous person in the world by far. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. They said, yes, you are. I said, no. They said, who's more famous? I said, Jesus Christ. I'm not taking any chances. I'm not going to have an argument. Hey, I'm not having any argument. So, one man so far in my lifetime has spoken of God like that. Reagan was my president. He spoke of God. He spoke of good, but he spoke from a place of redemption, but he didn't have much of a backbone. The minute they shot him, all he did was talk, but he did no action. He did everything they wanted him to do. Everything. President Trump has been praising God and saying we need his help. 
from day one. That's why he became president. He wanted to show you what good looks like. You can't appreciate the good if you don't see evil. Eight months, he's destroyed America. Eight months, he's given you the illusion that it's over. Your rights are done. They own you. FDA said so. Fuck the FDA. I don't care what the FDA says. It's not in the Constitution that the FDA tells me what to put in my body. Go fuck yourself. Oh, but companies are private. Good. They can't do to understand. They have no power. The minute you stand up, the minute one governor says, I get what you're saying. Actually, DeSantis did, right? And then he, then they went to court. But the bottom line is we need the right judges. We need the right leaders. And we need the people out there telling them, no, you're not doing this. I'm not voting for you. I'm not. I'm going to take you down and I'm going to put my friend Sally, who I know has one document she follows, and that's called the U.S. freaking Constitution. And when a company wants to do business in my state and they don't abide by the Constitution, then they don't do business in my state. Do you know how quickly they change when they can't do business in your state? Why is it? Why are they making all these complicated? It's not fucking complicated. It's very simple. Yost wants to be reelected. Fuck if he'll be reelected. You pulled that on Biden and then they shut you down. They shut you down. We're going to take you down. Oh, but we have elections. Fuck elections. The real elections are happening in 2022. That's when it's happening. I always say parsimonious approaches are the best. The simplest answer is always and almost usually always the right answer. Oh, you know, it's really complicated with the businesses. No, it's not. It's your freaking state. You own your state. That company is saying that people need to get vaccinated. It's unconstitutional. Get the fuck out. Get out. I'm going to see. Sue me. Get out. You violated the Constitution. Bye. Do you want me to bring, a you know, one of those balls and trash your building? Get the fuck out. Ship up or ship out. That's the way it should be. It's pretty simple. The airline's mandating Vax passport. Then you can't land in my airport. We're not doing it. Who wants to make airplanes that don't demand Vax pass? You do. You get a license at my airport. Come on. Um, I'm TG whatever. I'm this restaurant. And I demand COVID passport. Great. Now you can shut up. Shop closed. Bye. Hey, John. Are you going to ask for COVID passports? Can you cook a good steak? Get a couple good chefs? No passports, no masks? Yeah. Okay, here. Uh, we'll give this to you. Sales tax. I well, No no property tax for five years. Let's get this party started. They're replaceable. These companies and goods are replaceable. There's nothing that isn't irreplaceable. The only thing that's irreplaceable is your self. Your sovereignty. Your ability to govern your dominion and your free will, your soul. That's how you fix things. I'm sorry. It's complicated. Oh, I don't like complicated. So let's make this simple. Get the bug out. Where is someone that can do it? All of you can. Oh, you know, Starbucks says, you know what? I, there's a bunch of other coffee makers. We're going to make coffee great again. Get out. This is how you fix it. Telling your neighbors, they're making it complicated. Yeah, but you know, it's so much trouble. It's really not. Bring 10 of your friends. 
And then each of your 10 friends bring a friend. And tell your friend to bring a friend. Suddenly, you got a football stadium filled with friends. And suddenly, you've got your cojones back. It all starts one at a time. I've seen your get-together groups everywhere, which is incredible, growing all the time. All you need is to get together and say, no, we're rebuilding this country with or without. I like Amazon, but you know what? We all know how Amazon works. Let's just make our own. <laughs> Amazon, you don't like it? You don't like our rules? Out. Uh, what What did you say? Oh, Walmart. Oh, you want this? Yeah, get out. We'll make our own Walmart. We'll call it Mall Warped. Oh, my God. It's like so easy and it's right there. And I'm telling, maybe it's because I'm seeing it from my perspective, right? But it is that simple. And when they tell you it's complicated, you kind of have to think, why? Why are you copping out and passing the buck? It's not that complicated. That should always be your argument. It's not that complicated. So we just all have to unite as one voice. United, we are an unstoppable America. <laughs> and I mean, if God is on our side, there's no way you can fail. No way. So on that note, I am going to see you guys on Sunday for movie night, right? And um, I want us to raid DJ Chris. I really want to... You know, this is Friday night. You know, let's 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 enjoy ourselves with a little bit of music. And remember, red pill people one at a time. And for those of you that have kids, have them red pill their friends because their friends will red pill the parents. God bless. I'll see you guys on Sunday for movie night. Seven Nation Army couldn't hold me back They're gonna rip it off